Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Tony, continue the conversation later, please. Tony, jeez, he's got coffee. He's a little hyper this morning. And he's tan. Where did you go? <laughs> hey, uh, Trish and I were gone last week. It was so great um, for us to get away. We saw uh, two older daughters, one married downtown L.A., uh, and just so great to see her and Garrett. Uh, our second daughter, she had her art show, and we're exhausted. Um, setting up for an art show can be uh, more than you probably realize, but uh, it, was, it was a great, great week. Uh, it was terrible weather, 80s to 90s. I mean, just, it was horrible. I'm sure you feel bad about that. <laughs> I heard you had a warm-up here. Uh, the other thing I got to do, which is really fun, I spoke at a, a few different events, but I remember Derek, um, Derek used to be a pastor with us, and I got to speak at the church he's now the senior pastor at, and that was in Vista, and uh, the church he's now leading started in the 1920s, uh, and it was just such a gift to be able to sit in that service and then teach at his church, and he was a product of really what you guys, what we have um, allowed him in his years to be developed here. So it was just a great gift. Um, it's great to be back. Uh, I love our series. Uh, the four times I spoke, you need to know, I used all four of the faith kind of talks that I've been using. And uh, it's really relevant. Uh, it's relevant because there's an epidemic around our country, I believe, that, that faith is some sort of intellectual set of ideas. And when you reduce faith to just some intellectual concept about God, uh, it doesn't move much further than from your head. And so remember we said James, the half-brother of Jesus himself said, oh, you believe that? There's a God? Great. That's really good. He was sarcastic and said, even demons believe this. And so a belief in God or that God did certain things is really not what we're talking about this morning. Faith has a sense of confidence, much like Bobby just sang for us in that song. And so um, we had a verse, our anchor verse is in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says, now faith is confidence. All those things that, that Bobby said, that kind of hammering that stake of assuredness about what we know true. But really, it is a confidence in what we hope for and assurance about things we've not seen or probably won't be able to see, but it's that Faith has that about it. And so we've been trying to, over this last few weeks, really un, kind of peel back the layer of faith and ask ourselves some questions about faith. Warren Wiersbe says it this way, when we have faith, it's worship is the believer's response of all that they are, mind, emotions, will, and body, to what God is and says and does. When we start to have faith in God, who he is, what he does, and what he says, that starts to become a proclamation in our lives. And so I want to ask you a question this morning. I want to ask you a question because if faith in your life is what you say you have, I have faith in God, I, have, I believe in the things that he has done in our lives, is it a living response? Is your faith something that people see? You don't have to say a word about Jesus, but they just start to see your life. Or... Does your faith get wavered? Does your faith get, get stuck when adversity or the world hits you? Answer this question to the person next to you. What causes 
your faith to waver? What, what life events or circumstances? Is it money? Is it security? Is it relationship? What is it where all of a sudden your faith feels it has tons of doubt and you're not sure? Would you turn to the person next to you and answer that question quickly, would you? So an atheist was walking through the woods, an atheist not believing in God and claiming there is no God, was walking through the woods and he was seeing the the forest and the sky and the river and just saw the power of, of the environment and obviously not claiming that there's a God, just loved it. But as he was walking on this trail and path, enjoying the walk, he heard a rustling Uh, back in the woods, and then come barreling out was an eight-foot grizzly bear running at him full speed. The atheist starts to run full speed as best he can, and as he's running and he's running, he's looking over his shoulder and realizing he's going to catch me. And as he's turning back around, he trips over a branch and falls down and rolls over, and he's he's trying to fight off his last kind of effort to, to save his life. And the grizzly, if you've seen a grizzly's paw, comes back like this, and the atheist screams, Oh my God! And all of a sudden, all of earth stood still. There was no sound of wind. The trees weren't rustling. In fact, the bear himself had frozen. Time had froze. But he was really aware. All of a sudden, a light came from heaven, down on his face. And, And it was God, and God said, Seriously? You, you don't claim I exist. You've been teaching others that I don't exist. You, you, you claim that all of this that you're enjoying this afternoon was created by a, a big explosion accident. And you expect me to save you from this predicament. And so the atheist, laying down there in front of this frozen bear, light on his face, he says, yeah, you're right, God. That's, that would be pretty hypocritical of me. He said... Well, God says, well, what, maybe are you claiming you want to be a believer? And he goes, no, really, I'm not claiming I want to be that. Could you make the bear a Christian? <laughs> so God says, that's fair. So all of a sudden, the light goes away, and the, the, here's the trees again, the wind, and all of a sudden, the bear, you can see, starts to come back to life unfrozen and puts his paw down. And the bear then kneels down, and puts his paws together and says, Lord, thank you for this meal I'm about to eat. (laughs) You're wondering, how am I going to work that into what we're talking about today? (laughs) I laugh because I think it's funny that an atheist with some life event can cause a wavering in belief. I mean, isn't it interesting that an atheist, I mean, it's a crazy story to scream, oh my God, and have an interaction with God, but I wonder as Christians, can we have life events that hit us to a point of not looking at God anymore? Can can things happen to us in our lives and cause such an uncertainty that we find ourselves questioning and doubting who God is? 
This morning, the question I'm posing to you is what causes your faith to waver? Because this story we're going to get this morning out of Matthew 14 is the story of Peter walking on the water, a stormy set of waters. And so we want to dive in and give you some of the backdrop. If you don't have a Bible this morning, raise your hand. There's some Bibles on carts. If someone could start to pass those out, just raise your hand. Otherwise, if you want to go to your phone, that's fine. Matthew chapter 14. I'm going to give you a backdrop. I'm really, really... uh, into understanding context of a passage because I think it it gives us more insight and I think we get more in touch with what's really going on. And so the backdrop, first of all, is Galilee. We're on the Sea of Galilee in the region of Galilee and it's it's a body of water. It's the only freshwater body of water in the Middle East. It's why for so many centuries it's been fought over. It's about 13 miles long at its, its longest points but then about eight miles wide. Now we're going to find that this set of disciples is actually uh, rowing across. We're going to find ourselves in a storm so their sail would not be um, out because it would be too windy. So they were rowing across this point and they're going to row about a seven to eight mile distance. And the passage is going to have us see these disciples stuck in the middle, about three and a half miles out. Some texts say that they've been rowing probably six to ten hours. Uh, And and so it's important that you get this insight now just to give you distance if you you know drive kind of that the the 43 and the 41 where they connect going north and we kind of come over those now those overpasses you can look from Duck Creek all if you can look all the way across to where GB campus is that's about the distance that you would have seen the Sea of Galilee about that eight about seven to eight miles. They would have been right in the middle of this in a storm. Uh, they're sailing or they're rowing from Bethsaida to Genesaret uh, because a couple things have happened. In the beginning of the chapter, John the Baptist, uh, the one who baptized Jesus, he's been beheaded, uh, grieves Jesus, but then also he feeds the multitudes. Jesus doesn't end uh, his ministry, he continues on, and so he's now feeding the multitudes. Now, it says in the text also that they're on the fourth watch, and they would divide up the evening into um, early evening, late evening, early morning, and late morning. So now they're in the late morning, fourth watch, about 3 to 6 a.m. So it gives you some context. So they've been rowing all night against the wind and the rough seas. So Matthew 14 lands us in this text uh, uh, about faith. Now, Jesus is going to say something to Peter in this, and we're going to get there, but I want to kind of let it out of the bag early just so you hear it. He's going to say, oh, you of little faith to Peter. And so this will be the first text we're talking about where God's not commending a faith or affirming, like, wow, you have such great faith. We heard as the Roman centurion or the bleeding woman. So this is one that says, ah, such little faith. Now, we understand, though, Jesus will also say, and we may tackle that text, Jesus also says with, the faith of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. So we're going to see some characteristics of faith, five specific characteristics that faith has, all right? So verse 22 in Matthew chapter 14, again, John's beheading and then the feeding of the multitudes. And so after the feeding, immediately he makes his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after that, he had dismissed the crowds. He went up on the mountain by himself to pray. I'm going to stop here, even though this morning is not really about prayer. 
I don't know if you're like me this way, but this is kind of the pattern of my life, and maybe some of you are similar. Rough waters hit and rough challenges in life hit, and I find myself praying a lot more. You similar? You find yourself praying, 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 and then what happens over the time? God begins to, to rescue, and he, he pulls you through, right? And then you find yourself in good times, and you look at yourself and say, I'm not really praying, because you start to feel again the low times hitting, our life hitting. I have to tell you, I felt so convicted studying again, saying, oh, Lord, I don't pray enough. And I wonder if our church just needs to hear that, too. Like, do we pray enough? There really is no song that Bobby could write, message done, program created, you know, amount of money raised that is going to to cause the name of Christ to be glorified apart from prayer. And one of the things I wonder in our church culture is every time we've called for like prayer meetings, it's interesting, the low attendance rate. And I'm not shaming you. I'm just saying I think it's all of us taking ownership. And I, I, I read this and think, why did Jesus have to go pray? Doesn't he have this like divine connection? He is the son of God. He is part of the Trinity. Why is he setting aside time to go pray? I mean, does he have to? Doesn't he have some crazy abilities to talk to God and do a lot of other things and but Jesus models this often that he goes up to this mountain by himself to pray I feel that weight as a pastor how much am I I'm really praying on my knees and I wonder how much we are as a church just really bathing everything we do in prayer I'm trying to get back to that and isn't isn't it true we find ourselves quickly brought to our knees You know, much like the atheist, right? It takes a bear in life, a grizzly, to wake us up and to shout, oh God, save me. And I just, I thought that was really poignant for us to just point out this morning. So Matthew 14, Jesus goes and prays. It says, when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from land. Uh, What we get in some of the Gospels, it's probably midway through. And it's beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And so they're fighting waves. Many of you have uh, fished or been out in the bay or, or Lake Michigan or, or the ocean. I've been out like San Francisco Bay uh, when storms start to hit or off the coast of Miami when those big waves. That's spooky. Uh, it says that in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. Now, mind you, a couple things. He told his disciples to get in the boat. Here's what he didn't say. Hey, get in the boat. You're going to head into a gnarly storm. You're you're going into a really big storm. Don't worry. I'm going to come shooting across the water on my feet, you know. Um, And and he doesn't tell him any of this. He just says, go and I'll meet you. I mean, I think it's interesting. Sometimes I think we expect God to tell us what's ahead but he doesn't and often he, he's, he's like go ahead you're, you're entering into a storm I know it you don't know it but you're entering into one some of you this morning are entering into storms you don't even know it yet but Jesus promises that he will meet them and so he says he came to them walking on the sea so I wanted to just give you a little bit more context this obviously is not a picture it's a painting uh, of a the fishing boat size, they're about 16 to 24 feet long. 
And so we're not talking a big, big ship, you know, something that could, could handle the rough waters. Uh, it was probably pretty packed with disciples. Rembrandt does a great painting. And his painting of the storm on the water in Galilee, this is his famous painting. Pretty, pretty powerful, pretty uh, amazing, and just seeing the turbulence. And I don't know if it was that rough, but we definitely get this picture that it was enough to terrify them. It was enough to make them fearful. And so I wanted to give you a little bit of context. Um, some of you get motion sickness, so I apologize, but this might have been what they were looking at. Pete, you doing okay? Don't look down, look down. Uh, this is probably what they were looking at, and I, I think it's important that we get the context. Because Peter's gonna get out of the boat. And when we say they're terrified, we're not talking about little rollers, right? We're talking about this is going on. I'm sure there was a lot of shouting and do this and do that. There probably was tension. I mean, how tense would any of us be without just seeing Jesus, just being in this boat? Uh, some of you have been in some pretty scary situations with fishing and in boats. And man, when you're out there in the open waters. Now, mind you, the YMCA did not exist yet. There was not swimming classes. The idea of swimming hadn't really hit yet. Uh, that was a fearful thing. Water was scary. There was no sense of where's the bottom. It was like a pit. And so there was a lot of fear. It says, but when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. Terrified is an interesting word. It's, it's stress. It's your equilibrium is thrown. It's to begin to doubt it's to begin to feel amazing amounts of anxiety. Anybody with me? Anybody feel this? In your life, when is it that you've hit something, something's gone on where you feel the, the terror? It could have been for your own life, a family member's life. It could have been news that you heard. It could have been that you can't pay this bill. I don't know what it is, but you, you've felt that sense of angst and anxiety and you feel it. And they screamed, it's a ghost. Okay, okay, just the water, just the fishing boat scene is enough. But now they see an apparition. They see something. And they don't know. It says they cried out in fear. I mean, this is, this is a, an interesting moment. If we could get a picture, we would probably feel that in the movie, right? The, the sense of, of stress and anxiety and worry. And again, the stories in the Gospels and the Scriptures are written that we are to really in some ways place ourselves there. Have we felt terror and anxiety and stress? But immediately Jesus speaks to them, obviously close enough to say, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. Now what's great about this phrase? This phrase pops up often throughout Scripture. It pops up often. In fact, you're going to hear this sense of a fear God, right? But then there's this do not be afraid. Fearing God is, is, is fear like the demons fear and awe in respect. But this is don't fear like anxiously like this storm is a problem. Or that you thinking this is a ghost is a problem. I'm here. All will be good. I want to give you five characteristics of what I think this text shows us about faith. What it has, first thing is faith has courage. Faith has courage. 
You've heard the stories when people talk about faith, whether it was faith in the midst of an illness, faith in the midst of a, a troubled relationship, faith in the midst of facing their own sin, faith in the midst of, of, of struggling through finances and security, faith in the unknown of what's my next job or I don't have a job. We could go on and on and on, right? There's a sense, though, when you talk to those people when they have faith, it's this, this peace, this calmness. It's a courage. It's a courage. It's not filled with worry and pacing. It's, it's a courage. Faith has courage. It says in verse 28, Then Peter answers to him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And so Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. Now this is where often people will teach this text and Peter gets a really bad rap. Now I want to put this in context here. How many of you, if you're a disciple in that boat, this is your first response? How many of you in this, in this scene, you're in the boat, we're all in the boat, and you think you see Jesus, and you're the one to step up and say, Jesus, if it's you, I know that I could walk on water like you. Call me out and I'm going to walk on the water with you. I want to put this in context. I think some of us in our faith today find ourselves waiting for God to, we sit in the boat just waiting. And we like all the paths to whatever decisions that God has for our lives or our church or our family to all be mapped out, right? It, you need to, it's frugal, right? It's, it's God wouldn't, God's not a God of chaos. We like to use that one. Friends, Peter will never get confronted or reproved about jumping out of a boat. And he's the only one that does it. I love the commentary. The commentary said it this way. It said, Peter, as reckless as he had been throughout his journey, this is the one marker where it exposes the deep and courageous faith he had in who Jesus was. Could you imagine that water scene? You've been rowing all night, and Peter is getting over the, like this and getting ready to take a step. It seems almost dumb, doesn't it? Could you imagine some of the disciples? Peter, you're an idiot. Don't do it. Peter has a faith. Peter gets out of the boat. I'll tell you, I think the church today finds itself, and I mean global church, and maybe we need to take heart in this because I think there's a lot of Christians today that are claiming Christ, but they're stuck in a boat. When your life is be meant on doing crazy things for God that really you might not even understand yet. Let me make another observation. This was not Jesus' idea. That may confuse you. Jesus doesn't reprove Peter for getting out of the boat and his idea. He just says, oh, you want to walk on water? Sure. Come on out. How often do we doubt the God in us that says that when we commit our ways to God that he puts desires in our hearts? How many of you keep questioning the thoughts you have about what you want to do? Maybe God's put an idea in your life, in your mind, and you keep doubting it. 
No, he, he couldn't be asking me to give that. He couldn't be asking me to, to change the course of my career. He couldn't be asking me to, to dive into that relationship. Because that's reckless. That's getting out of the boat. That doesn't make sense. No one can walk on water that way. Peter's idea. It's Peter's idea. I think often we forget that God will affirm those things in us. He trusts so much of who he's made us to be that, man, your ideas become God's ideas. And as he gets out of the boat, he gets affirmed in that. He's not sinking because he got out of the boat. Second characteristic, faith has courage. Faith also has trust. Peter has great trust in Jesus, more than any other disciple in that boat. Trust in the idea that he had, hey, I got an idea. Jesus, is that you? I'm going to walk on water, right? Because your, your power in me can help me do this. It's trusting God in him. I think many sit paralyzed in their faith, not sure, oh, is this my idea or God's idea? What about just getting out of the boat? and saying, God, this is for you. I'm going to trust in faith. We've done that around here a lot. Over the years of community church's history, there's been a lot of faith moments in this church of it wasn't mapped out. There wasn't a clear path, but there was getting out of the boat. The text goes on. It says in verse 30, it says, but when he saw the wind, this is Peter, he was afraid. I mean, any of us would, right? You're walking on water. And, and it's, it's in the midst of God is performing this miracle, we in our humanity and our brokenness quickly forget. Remember, we read the Israelites. The Israelites were that group, right? We read the Old Testament and we're like, how dumb were they? God's like dropping food from heaven every day. He's parting seas. He's springing water from rocks. I mean, come on. If we're part of the Israelite group, aren't we going, that's good enough for me. I'm in. But what does it say? Within what miles they walk, they forget. Peter says, when he saw the wind, he was afraid, began to sink and cried out aloud, Lord, save me. Now, despite his lack of focus, I just want you to think for a moment. Peter still trusts in who? In Jesus. He didn't say, whoa, bad idea, disciples, net, you know, lifesaver, a rope. He doesn't start to try to swim. It says he cries out to Jesus because he recognizes he is the only one. He trusts again in the midst of this. Faith has courage. Faith has trust. Faith also has focus. Faith has a laser focus on no matter what storms are in front of me, to the right and the left, no matter how, how rough the seas are getting, no matter how tumultuous the, the, the relationship is or the, the finances don't seem to work or, or the time doesn't seem to work or how scary this is if I admit this or all those things, there is a focus in faith saying, I know he'll save me. How many of you stay in the boat and are unwilling because you keep measuring the wind and the waves. You keep measuring everything around you. And friends, 
Are you a disciple in the boat that really, I would say, if, if Jesus doesn't reprove them, prizes, you don't have much faith at all. Verse 31 says, Jesus immediately reaches out his hand and takes hold of him and says to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? There's something very endearing about this part of it because Jesus, being the Son of God, could at any moment have done what? He could have said, float, right? And Jesus and Peter would have blown, you know, like a buoy, right? He, he could have done a million different ways of saving Peter. But it, how interesting is it that he actually takes his hand? It talks, I really think, it, it affirms the personal touch of Jesus, the relational part of who Jesus was and who he is today of, of longing for us to grab his hand and reach out for his hand. And so, really, faith has a confidence that Jesus will, will meet me where I'm needed or I need him. Jesus will, will be enough. He will be the one that, that reaches out and grabs my hand. I mean, faith has this sense of a confidence in Jesus. And Peter displays this despite his lack of focus. Despite, despite his, his lacks for those moments of worrying about the sea and the wind around him. It says in verse 32, and when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. The waves calmed. I, I again, I, I love... There's something about movies that you can sit there and, because we can kind of imagine this, but there's something about when it gets painted. That's like the video room in heaven. This is one to watch. You ever seen like, it's when a boat goes through and there's a big wave, but then it goes, settles, boom. Could you imagine the awe that the disciples felt? Whoa. It says, when they, when, they, when they got on the boat, Peter and Jesus, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him. So truly you are the Son of God. What else is there? They just watched their disciple Peter, Peter get out of the boat, walk on water. He starts to sink. Jesus saves him, probably pulls him back on top of the water, walks him back to the boat calms now the wind and the waves. He has control of all creation. At what point do you need enough to begin to worship? It's really, the fourth thing is that faith compels worships. It compels a worship in our heart. It, it always worships, but it compels us to worship Him. It, and when I say it always, you, you can't hide a faith. When you have a courage like this and a trust like this and a focus like this and a confidence like this, you can't help but worship. And I want to reduce that just to song because song is a great expression in Scripture of worship, of a heart filled with joy to shout out to God. We just, we've been singing this morning about these things and the confidences we have. But faith doesn't need words and lyrics. Faith begins to worship God on how you live your life. Remember Wearsby's quote. It starts to reach the mind, the will, the emotions, your hands, your feet, your eyes, your ears, your time, your home, 
your marriage, your parenting, your workplace, how you do taxes, how you inter interact with government, how you interact with friends, how do you treat your neighbor. Faith begins to worship God. I wonder this morning how many people are still stuck in a boat. And even some stuck in a boat afraid to worship. I think that's part of what we do in this culture. I think there's a lot of what I would call fans of Jesus, but I don't know if they're followers. I don't know if there's a lot of, sec there's a lot of secret agent Christians where if you asked your peers, they may not even know that you know God. And friends, this morning, faith always lets itself out. It always will begin to proclaim who God is. And I'm not talking about whacking people on the side of the head with Bibles and quoting memory verses. It's, it's an expression of love and compassion for God. Worship actually means to bow down. To, to just bow. Does your life bow down in trust and confidence and courage and focus on the one that you call Jesus? It says in verse 34, when they had crossed over, they finally finished crossing over. Could you imagine just the moments? For three and a half miles, for six to ten hours, in a storm. And some of you are stuck in a storm and you're feeling tired. But then there's that moment where he rescues and could you imagine the calmness and the beauty and the awe? We're riding with Jesus. It's smooth sailing with him. I mean, he's got us. Why did we ever worry about water and waves and wind? It says, when the men of that place, as they hit Genesaret, recognized Jesus, they sent the word to all surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak. Remember, we talked about the bleeding woman. They've heard about it already. Hey, there's this woman that was for 12 years. She couldn't stop bleeding, but she just touched his cloak. Now the word's out. Everybody's trying to touch the cloak of Jesus. What's the fifth component of, of faith this morning? Faith has impact. When we start to live out our faith, when we get out of the boat and begin to be the Christians that God's called us to be, and just, it, it is, it's, it's getting out of the boat. You have an idea that God wants you to begin to in, invest in or, or spend time in a relationship or clear up, and it looks like you're going to die. When you begin to take steps out of the boat this way, people are impacted around you, and not because you chose it. It just happens. When I was out in California, I got to see two people that I had went to high school with and haven't seen them since high school, 1982. I had a mullet. <laughs> and this one gal, as, as she was talking, said, I want you to know that I always knew you had a, here's what she said, you had a glow about you that God was going to do something great with you. And you had an impact on us in high school. Now, I got to humbly tell you this. Oh my gosh, I did not feel that. I felt like a dirtbag high school student. Sorry if you're a high school student. I'm just, I mean, I felt like struggling and I wasn't made, you know what I mean? It's just that you look back in your high school, how many people want to do over in high school, right? 
or you don't want to go back to high school. Forget it. Yeah. I, I, there's a lot of do-overs I would love to, to have back. I was shocked when she said it had impact. I think faith, when we step out and trust God and have confidence and have focus and have that courage, God starts to use that around you and you don't even realize it. I think as young as my faith was back then, God was using it without even me knowing. What causes you to waver? What causes you this morning to be reluctant to step out of a boat? Already some of you know what God's asking you to do. He's put an idea in your mind and your heart and you just come up with every reason why it's, it's, not, a good, it's not a good idea. Peter was not a risk taker. I think Peter was a faith taker. Because really, it was no risk at all to trust and have faith in Jesus. He was a faith taker. He said, I'm going to take the faith that I have and put it into practice. I'm going to have a living response. I'm going to begin to live this out. What about you this morning? How many of you are just stuck in the boat? And you're so fearful of what's out inside around you that you're unwilling to take a step and let God advance the borders of your life and the faith of your life. The band Hillsong did a great song a few years back and so powerful. And I'm just going to encourage you as a church, everyone of you should download this song called Oceans. Because here's the lyrics. It says, you call me out upon the waters. This is about Peter. The great unknown where my feet may fail. Again, if you're seeing this picture, how many of us are willing to step out and follow Jesus in faith? And there I find you in the mystery, in oceans deep, my faith will stand. So I will call upon your name. Keep my eyes above the waves. I won't won't lose focus, God. I'm going to keep, even though it looks like I'm not going to make it. When oceans rise... My soul will rest in your embrace, for I am yours and you are mine. I want to have a response this morning to the chorus of this song. I want a response to be, before we go to communion, and and Bobby leads us in this, I want this to be a prayer. Now, I want to caution you. Don't ever pray something to God that you really don't want the answer. If you're going to sing this this morning, it's your song not ours, it's, it's yours. Because the, the lyrics say the Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. You know what he's saying? Lead me where I am really afraid to go. Lead me to the place of fear that I fear most and don't trust. Remove the borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you will call me. Wherever you will call me. Some of you are being called and you keep sitting in the boat. And I don't know what it is. If it's relationally, if it's a sin that you need to confess, it's a conversation you need to have, if it's, it's a career decision. I don't, again, the list is long. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. I want to pray for us. I'll have Bobby lead us a few times through this. Can you not sing this if this is not your prayer? But if it's faith that you want and you want God to help you get out of the boat this morning, may it be our prayer. Father, 
Give us courage and trust and confidence and focus that worships you in faith and lives out as a response. God, this is our prayer this morning. Let's sing together.